Welcome back to The Real Green Show. As always, thank you for your support. As a reminder, you can listen to the show in podcast form or even better, watch the show on the Jamrock Organics YouTube channel. In today's show, we'll take a look back at the most important news in the cannabis industry last week. And stick around till the end of the show for my final thought on the rise of cannabis stocks and three things you should consider before investing. I'm your host, Garth Case, and this is The Real Green Show. For our first story, a judge reversed the vote for legal cannabis in South Dakota. Republican Governor Nome, seen here taking an oath to represent the will of the people, decide to do the exact opposite by leading an effort to disregard their votes. The people of South Dakota voted to legalize cannabis and hemp. But based on how the South Dakota Constitution is written, a judge found that the ballot was misleading and should have listed cannabis and hemp separately. According to the South Dakota Constitution, in order to not confuse their citizens, each referendum must be put to a vote separately so that people could vote on the legalization of hemp and or cannabis. Now, Senator Nome orchestrated the lawsuit to throw out her citizens' votes because of her personal opinions on marijuana legalization. In my opinion, this betrayal sucks for the people of South Dakota, but must act as a wake-up call to marijuana activists and advocates everywhere. Activists must remember to cross all T's and dot all I's and putting constitutional amendments on ballots. This could have been prevented with a little bit more due diligence. The saga is not over as the lawyer representing the initiative promises to appeal the case in the South Dakota Supreme Court. Shifting gears to New Jersey, where legalization is at a standstill. Assembly Speaker Craig Coughlin announced that there will be a delay of the scheduled session until February 18th to provide more time for negotiations on marijuana legalization. Coughlin said, and I quote, significant progress has been made and we're hopeful that concerns raised will be addressed. He continued to say, I remain optimistic that an agreement will be reached and that a fair and responsible legislation will be advanced, end quote. The two bills, one to legalize and the other to decriminalize adult use marijuana, was sent to Governor Murphy on December 17th. They've remained unsigned as Murphy and lawmakers failed to reach an agreement on penalties for underage marijuana use. In our next story, a recent Emerson College poll of U.S. adults found that legalizing marijuana is more popular than implementing a $15 minimum wage, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, or establishing a path to citizenship for undocumented immigrants. In general, the polls showed support for cannabis legalization aligned with age. Legalization had majority support across most age groups, with the exception of those 65 and older. Just 38% of respondents 65 and older thought legalization was a good idea, compared to 79% of people ages 18 to 29, 67% of those ages 30 to 44, and 57% of those ages 46 to 64. In my opinion, this is a fascinating poll because it demonstrates the change brought about by the internet and access to information. People in their 60s only had access to what they were told by their parents, schools, and media, which were heavily influenced by control, politics, and misinformation. Those younger than 60 had the benefit of the internet, which allowed them to learn from others. This gave them freedom to decide for themselves. We're seeing this evolution in thinking play out in many areas of society, not just cannabis. Democratizing access to information has begun to demystify many of the reasons why things are the way they are, and given us all control and real power to change them. In our next story, 
Illinois has collected over $205 million in tax revenues in its first year of legal sales. Since adult use sales began back in January 2020, nearly $758 million in legal cannabis has been sold in Illinois, which brought more than $205 million in taxes. More than a third of the tax revenue goes to the state's general revenue fund, 10% goes to the state's backlog of unpaid bills, 8% goes to law enforcement, and 2% goes to cannabis public safety campaigns. This means a quarter of every cannabis tax dollar collected goes to the Illinois R3 program by law. The R3 program is meant to restore, reinvest, and renew communities that were most impacted by the war on drugs. The first round of funding started late last month. Nearly 400 nonprofits applied for the first round. Only 80 were chosen from across the state. All eyes are on Illinois as the R3 program could become the model that other states look to when studying how tax revenue from legalized cannabis could be successfully used. And that's last week's news in cannabis. Stay tuned for my final thought on the rise of cannabis stocks and three things you should consider before investing. Remember to follow and subscribe to stay in the loop. And we welcome your comments and feedback about the show. Tweet us at Jamrock Organics and check out the episode notes in the description for lots more information about Jamrock and The Real Green Show. Now for my final thought this week. In last week's show, I covered the Agrify IPO and mentioned that I was an investor. Now this led to a flood of emails asking me about other cannabis stocks and investments. So I thought I would do a simple segment on the rise of cannabis stocks and three things to consider specific to the cannabis industry when investing. As a disclaimer, I want to be very clear that this is in no way a comprehensive tutorial on investment. It is just my opinion and should in no way be taken as financial advice. Please consult a certified financial professional before doing any form of investing. Before we jump in, let's take a look at some recent coverage from MSNBC on the cannabis sector. Welcome back to Fast Money, Canada's pot stocks blazing higher today. Tilray soaring almost 40% after striking a deal to distribute medical cannabis in the UK. Meanwhile, canopy growth rallying after saying it expects to be profitable by 2022. Follow through to here in the U.S. Green Thumb, Cresco, Cureleaf, all pushing higher in today's session. And Tim, you're remarking on today's uh, midday call. Pot stocks are on fire. They continue to be on fire. There's multiple dynamics at work here, and we've talked about them on this show. Uh, look, the story in Canada is is that companies like like Canopy Growth are becoming uh, closer to profitability and certainly very well run and have an eye on the U.S. and have a growing market share. Uh, the U.K. news on Tilray is important, but but the story really is about the United States. And and if you think about the the legislative path um, and and what happened on the Georgia runoff, but uh, comments by by Chuck Schumer very recently that that basically gives you a, a, a blueprint for what an omnibus bill could look like in the United States that would actually allow these companies to list on U.S. exchanges. The, the important part about this trade right now, and we talk about this with, with Reddit and, and, you know, with short squeezes, and some of it's just all about flows. And, and so for the investor in the U.S. right now, you're getting in ahead of large institutions. Green Thumb today with a $100 million registered SEC uh, offering to a large institution is very good news and a very good sign of where this is going. And the market picked up on that. Yeah. Grasso? Yeah. So the Safe Banking Act is going to get a vote probably in the next six months in the House, in the Senate. And that w- that's pivotal. Think about this. Imagine a business, no access to a bank in the state that they're uh, operating in. So if it's legal in that state, 
they'll have access to banks. It's huge for the industry. Number one. So when you think about cannabis investing, you don't always have to think about cannabis stocks. There are a lot of adjacent industries working with cannabis companies to provide technology, nutrients, and other necessities. One of those companies is Agrify. I covered that last week. Another company that has done very well because of its cannabis ties is Scott's Miracle Grow, who saw a 71% sales increase in their first quarter sales. They have a division known as Hawthorne that focuses primarily on the cannabis industry. There are many other similar companies, but this should give you an indication of where to start looking. Number two, Canadian versus US listings. Another thing to consider when looking at cannabis stocks is understanding whether the company is based in Canada or the US. If it's domiciled in Canada, where cannabis is completely legal, it can go public on the Toronto Stock Exchange and then list on the NICE or NASDAQ exchanges in the US. But if the company is domiciled in the US, where cannabis is still considered federally illegal, they have one of two choices. They can use what's called a RTO, which is a reverse takeover, or a SPAC IPO, which stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Company IPO. I won't get into the excruciating details of these options. If you are curious, you can read all about the differences in the show notes. But so you know, a SPAC IPO is the most popular method to get listed at the moment. One of the SPAC cannabis stocks I invest in is called Subversive Real Estate Acquisition. Tick a symbol. SBVRF, which is essentially a real estate company for the cannabis industry. And on the more expensive side of that scale, we have Innovative Industrial Properties, ticker symbol IIPR. Both are pretty solid options, but please do your research. Before our final consideration, let's take a look at some recent Reuters coverage of the cannabis sector. And welcome to Sectors Up Close. I'm Elena Casas. Our focus today is investing in cannabis, and our guest is Ross Gerber, president of Gerber Kawasaki. Where there's smoke, there's fire, and not many sectors have been as hot as the cannabis sector in the past few months. On expectations, there will finally be an end to prohibition at the US federal level. Vice President Kamala Harris pledged as much during last year's campaign. And as recently as this month, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and two other senators said they plan to pass sweeping legislation this year to end prohibition that has stifled investment in the sector, even as it has been legalized in many U.S. states. That has seen pot shares soar. This is only one of several ETFs covering the sector, up 125% since the November election. But investing in the industry is problematic, as focus, like this fund, is almost entirely on Canadian pot producers, to the exclusion of American ones. So what are the risks and how does an investor approach the sector? For more on this, I'm now joined by Ross Gerber of Gerber Kawasaki. Ross, hi, thanks for joining us. First question, why this sector now? Well, I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest opportunities. Imagine if you could get into the alcohol business when prohibition ended in 1933, and you think about the wealthiest companies and and families in America and, and around the world are alcohol families. So here's this great opportunity to get into something that's much less harmful than alcohol and, and yet uh, is an industry that's basically been illegal for most of the time. So it's a huge opportunity because people already smoke pot and they want to do it legally. So this is a great opportunity. 
But the sector has seen these kinds of gains before, hasn't it? A good example is this stock, Aurora Cannabis. It wasn't that long ago. It was trading at well over $100 in 2018 on a previous wave of optimism sparked by legalization in Canada before falling to a tiny fraction of that. And that was replicated across the sector. So are we not setting ourselves up for the same again? Well, no, you know, I, I kind of look at these uh, industries. When new industries form, you kind of get this first spurt of like the you know, the original companies that rise in value like crazy, but then you get all these problems, whether it's growing pains. In this case, in cannabis, you had many bad actors playing in management and, and unprofessional businesses being run, and, and then they all got hammered. And, and now what we're seeing is the reemergence of the best operators and the best companies. So they've survived that first wave of failures. And now what we're seeing are much better run companies, much better capitalized companies with much better strategies. So so this is, I think, the real thing now. And I think the first run was sort of like the amateurs run. So we're very excited about this moment because with legalization coming, the synergies and the cost efficiencies will really be huge for these companies. And, and the opportunity is enormous. But these U.S.-listed shares are all Canadian companies, while the U.S. companies right. can and do only list in Canada. So if legalization is around the corner, shouldn't investors wait until you can just buy stock in a U.S. company? No, it's exactly the opposite. Because of this weird quirk where these great U.S. companies only trade in Canada, many institutions haven't been able to invest in cannabis companies. And what you want to do is invest in front of the institutions that legally really can't buy them until they're listed in the U.S. So it's a huge arbitrage. This is kind of the way we're playing it, is by being for individuals that can buy these Canadian stocks, when they list on the NASDAQ, there'll be a huge gain as institutions begin to invest. We saw that today with a company called Green Thumb. An institution bought $100 million worth of stock in Green Thumb today. The stock's rallying. Um, it's one of the first big purchases that we've seen by an institutional investor. So we expect the similar thing that's going on in Bitcoin to be going on with cannabis with its institutional participation. So very briefly, how would you recommend someone get into the sector? Well, I think the easiest way is using an ETF because it gives you broad exposure to the, the sectors and, and it, it limits a little bit of your risk because each one of these individual companies have a certain amount of risk involved. And the one I like that best represents the exposure we have is an ETF called MSOS. It's a, a cannabis ETF run by advisor shares and I, I, the, the, it's really a perfect allocation for U.S. cannabis exposure. MSOS is the symbol. Thanks so much for that. That was Ross Gerber of Gerber Kawasaki. And number three, you should consider investing in a cannabis ETF, which is a fund that just focuses on buying cannabis stocks. It takes some of the guesswork out and allows you to get a more diversified portfolio of cannabis stocks. As you heard in the Reuters piece, Advisor Shares ticker symbol MSOS is one ETF to look at. Other ETFs I have positions in ticker symbols YOLO, CNBS, and THCX are also great options. Now, as I mentioned, I want to be very clear. This is my personal opinion and should in no way be taken as financial advice. Please consult a certified financial professional before doing any form of investing. Hopefully this helps to answer some of your emails and your questions. I will share more cannabis stock tips in the future. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please consider smashing that like button and be sure to follow for more great cannabis news and information. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, stay healthy and stay safe.